0: and Sun Life Financial.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. Remaining engaged in your
1: community has as much of an impact in terms of your risk of Alzheimer's disease
2: as changing your diet. That's Dr. Tiffany Chow of the Sam and Ida Ross Memory Clinic at Baycrest. Her grandmother had Alzheimer's, and that led her to a career researching and treating dementia. Her new book, The Memory Clinic, is about what we can do to stave off or delay cognitive decline. Tiffany will tell us what she's learned from her patients a little later on. Plus, it's the last week of January, and by now a lot of our New Year's resolutions have gone kaput. But maybe that's because we make things too difficult for ourselves with rigid gym schedules or strict diets. Vivian Vassos will tell us about Zoomer Magazine's New Year, New You plan. It can help you reach top mental and physical condition while doing things like hitting the slopes and eating chocolate. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. We think this is absolutely outrageous and we're already starting to get calls from our members. They could have given people some notice. That's Susan Eng, Vice President of Advocacy for CARP, reacting to news that the Canada Revenue Agency has stopped mailing out paper income tax forms in order to get people to file their taxes online. The CRA says 1.3 million tax packages went unused last year. Taxpayers who do want to file the old-fashioned way can either download and print the forms or pick up the package at a Canada Post outlet. If you needed to see your doctor right away, would you be accommodated? A new report suggests Canadians are less likely to get in the same day or the next day compared to residents of the U.S., Britain, the Netherlands, Norway, and New Zealand. The 2012 Commonwealth Fund International Health Policy Survey also reveals we have fewer options for after-hours medical care and are among the least likely to have a doctor who will make a house call. Meanwhile, one Ontario hospital has taken innovative steps to reduce the length of time it takes patients in emergency to see a doctor. Hamilton's St. Joseph's Healthcare has managed to cut the average wait time from 5.8 hours to 3.7 hours. And the time from arrival to initial physician assessment has dropped from 3.7 hours to 30 minutes. They achieved this by converting the waiting room into an assessment area and adding an extra physician shift every day. That's the kind of loud music they usually play at the gym. But a researcher says fitness clubs would do their clients a greater service by playing this. British neuroscientist Dr. Jack Lewis poured over a number of studies and found that classical music reduces the heart rate, blood pressure, and the level of stress hormones in the body. Lewis says a faster tempo signals the brain to energize the body, and he recommends the fourth movement of Beethoven's Fourth Symphony. I'm Libby Nimer and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. It's her mission to help patients and their families cope with dementia. Dr. Tiffany Chow of the Sam and Ida Ross Memory Clinic at Baycrest says we can sometimes delay the onset of symptoms, stave them off altogether, or just learn to live meaningful lives despite the disease. Tiffany came to our studio to talk about her new book, The Memory Clinic. Getting a diagnosis of dementia
1: is a change like many other changes that happen in our lives. And the more you can meet this with equanimity, the better off you will be. Try not to hide the fact that you have it. Try not to isolate your family from others because you have it. Reach out and continue to be an active part of your community because it will be better for you. It will be better for your caregivers. It will be better for everyone in the community to understand less about the stigma of Alzheimer's disease and dementia and more about the fact that this is a change happening to a real person that they know and that they can help. That sounds like that is actually very difficult. I think it's difficult, but with a good healthcare team supporting you, a good social worker, a nurse who listens, I'm lucky to have been working with exactly these kinds of people, we can help escort patients and families through that transition. It's absolutely normal and human to be afraid of the diagnosis, just as you'd be afraid of being told you have a cancer. But at a certain point, you're going to help yourself and others so much more by acknowledging, okay, this is really happening.
2: Now what? I would imagine that this is something that goes through stages. And just very recently, we interviewed a woman who is six years into her diagnosis. She was saying that she had to work through a lot of anger. It's very much akin to the
1: Kubler-Ross stages of, of grieving. First, there's shock and denial and maybe even anger and a little bit of bargaining. We are there to help acknowledge what is happening, remind you what we can do to help, remind you what you can do to help yourself. And it is so important to not become isolated. Isolated because of your fear, isolated because of the anger. It's okay to share the anger. You have met with your girlfriends. We have reality checks with each other, and we say, oh, I'm so furious about whatever it is. And the other person says, yeah, that would make me mad too. And already it's better
2: because you are heard and you are seen as you are, and you're accepted that way. Is there any extent to which where it's actually a symptom of the disease? Because we know that people experience personality changes, and they become, you know, maybe they have more anxiety or they become more aggressive. Sometimes people are angry because they're not getting what they need.
1: That person will blossom if someone else were to acknowledge, I
2: see that you're angry, what can I do to help you? You're saying you should accept it with equanimity and be open about it, but there is such a stigma. Yes,
1: yes. And I think I want to stress that I don't want people to try to put a positive spin on it. Like, oh, well, I have an Alzheimer's disease diagnosis, but I guess it's okay because I can still talk to people about it. That's not what I'm saying. What happens with equanimity is so different from indifference or, or glossing over. It's more of a an embracing of this event, although it is devastating to hear and brings up fear, to say this is now a part of my life. Everything is going to change over time. This is one of the changes. This is a change just like my child graduated from high school with honors. This is a change, just like I bought a new car. We can try to handle these things with equanimity, and that allows us to calmly discuss it with other people. And some of them may not respond well. But the more calm you are about it and the more honest you are, the easier it is for
2: other people to be there for you and with you. I've found, you know, with illnesses that I've had, you basically you, you have to get used to the idea, and it
1: takes whatever it takes. It does, it does. It takes some people longer than others. Many of the people have been worried that this is really happening. And for me to sit there, and with equanimity, not with a shocked look on my face, not with a, oh, I feel so sorry for you look on my face, but a, "okay, I'm really glad you came in, because I am worried about your memory. This does look like it could be Alzheimer's disease. It actually brings a sense of relief. Like, my secret is now out. In terms of the social supports, the activities, the support for the family, there are many things that we can do. And I sometimes need to prescribe to the patient, I want you to keep exercising. Isn't it one
2: of the things that's good for your brain and will help stave off
1: Alzheimer's? Yes. It will not only stave off Alzheimer's, but when people who have been diagnosed with the dementia ask, what should I do to stave off getting worse? Exercise is on that list. You talked about
2: that term cognitive reserve. So you're saying you know that people who are more educated will fight off or stave off the symptoms of Alzheimer's or not display them much more than somebody who's less educated. Yes.
1: And, and we have to be careful about that designation because there are a lot of people who, by happenstance, didn't attain 16 or more years of education. So it's not just your educational level. It has to do with all the different things that you do. And I don't want to exclude homemakers from this equation either. There are some homemakers who are involved in several organizations, including helping run the school programs. They're managing the lives of their partner and their children. They're very plugged into the community. All of that is good for cognitive reserve. Okay, so what can we do to stave off dementia? The one that I would like to get some airtime that is written about in the literature but it's not something that jumps out in the media is social networking. Remaining engaged in your community has as much of an impact in terms of your risk of Alzheimer's disease as changing your diet. Remain engaged with others and it's quite stimulating for cognitive reserve. Anything that you want to leave us with? It's great to zoom around. We can't do it in isolation. Network with other people. Learn how to ask for help. It will set you up well in the future. When we get older, and we do need help, if you have to learn how to ask for help at age 75, it's very hard to do.
2: Okay, Dr. Tiffany Chow, thanks so much, and uh, good luck with the book tour. Thank you, Libby. The Memory Clinic is published by Viking Canada. I'm Libby Zneimer, and you're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review. In just a moment, Zoomer Magazine's executive editor, Vivian Vassos, will join us to recharge our New Year's resolutions.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial.
2: That's a laughter yoga class. And laughter is one of Zoomer Magazine's prescriptions for a new year, new you. So in case your resolutions are flagging a bit, Executive Editor Vivian Vassos is here with tips to get back on track and get better from the
3: inside out. And Vivian, the key is not to beat up on yourself, right? Well, I think what we at Zoomer believe is that we're not just making resolutions, but we are resolving to be better to ourselves. We have some great strategies on how you can realistically lose weight and not beat up on yourself.
2: So first of all, if people have stopped with the diet, what do you tell them?
3: Don't give up. Never give up because it's never too late, no matter what. This is what we're finding. Even as we age, there's always great strategies for nutrition, for wellness, for fitness. So Try different foods. Try incorporating foods that are an arsenal to better health and longevity, because that's the key. Living longer, better and healthier. So make sure you're eating your nuts and your leafy greens and your berries.
2: Leafy greens, those really dark things like kale. I mean, kale was sort of the vegetable of the year. Every recipe seemed to have kale in it.
3: Well, it's, it's any dark leafy green, so you don't have to love kale. You can love spinach or you can, you, you know. <laughs> there, there's a choice for you. Right. So you can love other dark leafy greens. But the interesting thing that we're finding now is things like the berries and dark leafy greens. They're not just fighting the things that we thought. Like, one, they're really, they are really good for weight loss. But they also help fight heart attack, for example, and stroke. They help with cancer and type 2 diabetes. All the salad greens are so good for you, but the best taste of all is chocolate.
2: Just reading the magazine, I see that it's good for circulation. I have problem circulation. I guess I have to work on eating more chocolate.
3: Well, this is the whole idea of new year, new you. There are new uses for those things like chocolate and leafy greens. Do you know what an appropriate dose of chocolate is? Well, everything in moderation, but I think no more than one ounce a day is probably good because there, there are still sugars. So we try to recommend 70% dark chocolate because it has less sugar and more flavor. So there's a bigger sort of flavor boost for your buck. And you know what? I think chocolate also can make you smile and start, your, I'll start you on the trail to laughter as well. It's been shown that
2: people who laugh live longer and then there's this whole craze of laughter yoga where people get together they start by faking laughing and then they end up feeling great.
3: It helps with stress it helps with blood flow and circulation which is very important as we age but we can also fake it till we feel it. You start with a smile you start with the laughter even raising your head stretching your neck and opening your mouth wide as if you're having a great belly laugh.
2: Now, the other thing
3: that people make
2: resolutions about, obviously, is exercise.
3: In this issue, you have a whole article on getting back out on the slopes. Well, a lot of us skied as kids, and we maybe because of injury, maybe because we went away and lived somewhere else, and maybe because we just didn't have the wherewithal to get back on the skis have sort of put them by the wayside but we've gone to truly the icon of skiing in canada nancy green who gives us an amazing array of tips on how to get back on your skis how to how to make it a lot easier a new approach to skiing she also talks about all the vitamins and and nutrition that she uses to keep her on skis for eight hours a day pretty much and she's in her 60s so I would say take Nancy Green's advice, get out there, enjoy winter, because that will help beat the oncoming February blahs.
2: I actually know people uh, who've gone back out on the slopes, not prepared, and it didn't end well. So are there specific
3: exercises that you should do before you try after a while? She talks about the core. The core is very important because you are moving from the hips down. So you need the balance in your core muscles, which your abdomen, your lower back. It's important to have those muscles that are quite strong. The other thing is the equipment. It's really important. So ski boots, Nancy equates buying ski boots to like buying a pair of jeans. And most of us know how difficult it is to find that right pair of jeans so it's very important that when you go back on the slopes that your boots are the best that you can afford that fit you as well as your favorite pair of jeans.
2: Probably not a bad idea to take a lesson.
3: Absolutely I would take more than one lesson I would spend a day with an expert on the slopes somebody who is it, it has experience with that getting older skiers back on the slopes I think would be the best approach to take. The other thing Nancy does do is she always stretches beforehand. And a glass of wine, après ski, is something that helps relax her and her muscles. <laughs> okay, that sounds like good advice. Vivian Vassos, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Libby. You can
2: get more details on this holistic approach in the current edition of Zoomer Magazine on Newsstands Now. I'm Libby Snymer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review.
4: You ain't nothing but a hot dog.
2: We'll take a quick break and then return with a visit from the king. It's the anniversary of one of Elvis's biggest hits.
0: You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial.
2: Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. It's time for your international arts datebook tips for those of you who are jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown.
4: In New York City, Academy Award nominee Ethan Hawke directs and stars in Clive. It's about a songwriter's downward spiral in New York City in the 1990s. Clive is in previews at the Acorn on West 42nd Street. In San Francisco... Grand opening week continues at the new sleek jazz concert hall. The SF Jazz Center opened on Wednesday with an inaugural celebration hosted by Bill Cosby. To London, where a new Edward Manet exhibition opens this weekend at the Royal Academy, the show includes more than 50 works by the French Impressionist master. And in Germany's largest city, it's a black and white perspective of two cities. One is Berlin, the other is Toronto. Photographers Verena Bayer and Fabio Mascaren display their pictures at the Axel Hotel Berlin. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Day book. Well, Today marks an important
2: anniversary in the history of rock and roll. On this day in 1956, RCA Victor released Elvis Presley's first number one hit, Heartbreak Hotel. Elvis was previously under contract to Sun Studios, but RCA Victor bought out his contract for an incredible $35,000. However, RCA's first experience with Elvis in the recording studio didn't go as easily as they had hoped. Producer Stephen Sholes found recording Elvis very difficult because he wouldn't stand still and sing directly into the microphone. Instead, he insisted he had to jump around to sing it right. As a result, the entire studio was reconfigured. There was also the problem of finding the right echo. Elvis's old producer Sam Phillips generated his trademark echo by using two different tapes with a slight delay between them but Elvis convinced Scholes to record his vocal tracks in a hallway to obtain the effect. The result was a muddy recording that Sam Phillips himself called a morbid mess. The executives at RCA Victor weren't happy with the recording either, saying it was a terrible choice for their first Elvis song. However, they did agree to release it as a single, and fortunately, the public had its own opinion. The song spent 27 weeks on the top 100 Billboard charts, hitting the number one spot. It became one of Elvis's signature songs, his first certified gold record, and has since been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Here it is, "Heartbreak Hotel."
4: Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of lone Street, that Heartbreak
0: Hotel. Around.
2: That was Elvis Presley with "Heartbreak Hotel," his first number one hit on the pop charts. It was released. 57 years ago today in 1956. And that brings us to the end of today's program. I'm Libby Neimer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please come back next week when we'll have tips for Zoomers on how to boost your online presence.
0: You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by Chartwell Seniors Housing and Sun Life Financial, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Nyman. Produced by Paul Thomas. Program director, John Bandrea. This has
1: been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on AM 740 Zoomer Radio.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.